Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Baseball America podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, joined today by J.J. Cooper. J.J. broke a big story this week that minor league baseball was prepared to accept the reduction of 40 current minor league teams, those 40 teams losing their affiliations at least, and bringing the total number of affiliated minor league teams down from 160 to 120. J.J., this is obviously a huge story. This is something that's been on the radar for a while. Major League proposed such a cut a few months back. At the time, it was met with a lot of resistance. Circumstances have changed, mainly in regards to the coronavirus and the financial health of a lot of minor league franchises. In the course of your reporting, when did you get the sense that things changed and minor league baseball was ready to accept a cut to 120 affiliated teams? That's a great question. I don't have a great answer for it. I, I should preface, you know, I, I will say they, they had a meeting on uh, Wednesday, which was uh, it's hard right now, April 22nd. We don't know a whole lot about what happened at the meeting yet, although the two sides did put out a joint press release, which is significant because there have been no joint press releases going out before this. That means that the rancor and the, uh, uh, the, the PR battle that has been going on has obviously been kind of reduced. At the same time, to give a really serious but almost sounds flippant answer to your question, I don't know that this wasn't where it was going to get to all along, even without coronavirus. Major League Baseball, if it wants 120, PR battles and all are really made minor league baseball's best way to fight back against that. And instead now it looks like what we'll probably see is the parameters of a deal is 120 teams in affiliated ball. But a key part of this is, and these 40 to 42 other teams who are on the outs being taken care of in a system where they continue to have high-level baseball in a and, – and again, if this is negotiated as I expect, in a system that allows also an economic system for those teams where they can continue – to survive and succeed for years to come. JJ, one of the biggest things that has been on people's minds as they've seen the story unfold is, are we gonna lose our team? There was an initial list of 42 teams that were supposedly on the list to be cut that we at Baseball America published toward the end of last year. However, you wrote yesterday that list is constantly changing and just because someone was on the list back then does not mean they're on the list today and it also doesn't mean they're gonna be on or off the list couple months from now what are the factors that are changing whether a team is set to be cut at least lose their affiliation i should say or getting to keep their affiliation let me give an example i have one that just comes to mind that i've heard um you know several times with this so erie is listed on that list double a erie okay if we're talking about erie they've gotten 
basically, uh, uh, they have lined up and gotten approvals, as, uh, as I remember, you know, that are going to significantly upgrade their player development facilities. Well, it's unlikely that Erie is going to remain on the list. And again, let me emphasize, don't have any solid reporting to say absolutely positively yay or nay. But so that will probably move Erie off. And we've heard other teams that may be doing similar things. Well, may have been able to move themselves off with upgrades. You know, their club that they're affiliated with really wants to keep them, things like that. Well, this is where this gets really complicated. So let's say for a minute, and again, let me emphasize, I have no reporting to be confident Erie's on or off the list. But let's say Erie's off of the what was a preliminary list. You still got to have someone else from AA. You know, you're going to have 30 teams in AA when this is all said and done. So if you had a plan that had Erie out, and now all of a sudden you have a plan and Erie's in, well, that doesn't mean that you're just going to go up by one more minor league team. That means someone else is out. And so there are facility reasons where teams improve facilities. There have been talks of, you know, in, in Beloit has talks for a new stadium. Uh, you know, they're one of the teams that's been on the list. And, you know, it's not – that stadium is obviously not done, but that is a stadium that has been discussed and there have been mechanisms lined up as far as being able to, to, to build it. So you have facility upgrades. You also have teams that have basically demonstrated enough political pressure to maybe move themselves off of the list. You also have, you know, situations where this is a very complicated – Again, let me emphasize, we don't have a deal for 120 yet, but if it ends up at 120 as we expect in affiliated ball, that's a very complicated puzzle. And every time you move one piece, you have to move about six more to make that work. So to give another example, all the way through this, MLB has talked about, and it's not confirmed. Again, let me emphasize, so much of this is not confirmed. But that they, in their plan, in their initial plan, they would like to see Sugarland, which is in the Independent Atlantic League, and they would like to see St. Paul, which is in the Independent American Association, move into AAA. Well, if you do that, then you've got to move two teams out of AAA. And then once you do that, whatever they move to, you probably have to move two teams out of that level. And so every time you make one move, it just keeps cascading down. This is going to be a very complicated puzzle to put together. A lot of the things that we've talked about so far – 42 present minor league teams that are affiliated no longer becoming affiliated. Sugarland and St. Paul moving into the affiliated ranks and the total number of affiliated clubs moving to 120. When will this all be finalized? Because right now this is proposals, this is discussions, these are teleconference meetings. When will we get from the theoretical to this is the new reality? Um, the short answer is when, when there's a deal. And the release, the joint press release that came out today indicated that both sides are working and really indicated that there is the, uh, the, 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 the possibility of a deal in the not too distant future. The longer answer is when there's a deal and then, I, you know, how these things work, PBAs, CBAs, all that, you have a deal and you, you agree to all the, the major parameters but there still is the hard work of going in and writing down in detail all the exact language for all these things. And so even at that point, 
if we have a point where MLB, MILB announce that they have come to a deal and then there's the votes and it's approved and we get through that, then there's still the point of actually putting, I would say pen to paper, but really uh, keyboard to, you know, to bytes, to, to Word documents and writing it all down. And that's still going to take a while. And that is significant because minor league teams really want and need schedules and it's going to take a while from whenever this is approved for teams to get those 2021 schedules because it takes a while to put those together and no one can put those together until we know what teams are playing in what leagues one of the key components of this and i think it's important to remember is the 42 cities whose teams are slated to lose their affiliation, it doesn't mean they're necessarily losing baseball. Now, in the past, the initial reporting that you had done back at the end of last year was that Major League Baseball was proposing a quote-unquote dream league in which players who were from the local area could essentially go as undrafted free agents. The city could rally around this team of local players, essentially, and Major League clubs could go sign those players similar to the current independent league structure. However, a lot of those franchises noted that having that set up would likely put them out of business financially. The cost of running an independent league team it would increase their overhead by three or $400,000, which a lot of minor league teams don't have. What are some of the things being discussed in this new proposal to ensure that those 42 cities that are losing teams that have direct affiliations still have high-level baseball in some way? The devil is truly in the details here, and the details are things that will have to be worked out. But, okay, if we pull back for a minute, right? the MLB came out with the Dream League, Summerwood Bat, as their two mechanisms to potentially f- continue to have baseball in these cities that will no longer be part of affiliated minor league baseball. They, as you said, MILB operators looked at the kind of proposals and all and really thought, I don't know if this is economically viable for us from what i understand from my reporting i have mlb heard that and has an milb is pushing in this to figure out a way to come up with systems that are viable and there are there is a lot that could be involved in that but it the the key parts of it are figuring out ways where the finances work. Like you said, if you take a team that's not paying its players and they have to pay players, that could be 300,000, you know, increase, you know, right away in expenses. Well, okay. If you have to do that, then the other question with that becomes, okay, you either have to say, are you going to provide mechanisms that increase the amount of money that you can make for those teams? Unlikely in most cases, I would say. Or are you going to get subsidies to help cover that? Or are you going to get help in other ways that will help cover that, that difference in, you know, in income? All of those, I think, are kind of on the table. But the key part of this is, is that, and I think this is very important, MLB on Tuesday came out with a statement. And Major League Baseball, which had not done this before, they had done this before the coronavirus pandemic. But now on the other side of this, in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, they reiterated that their goal in these negotiations, they 
effectively promise that they want to develop a system where if you are have an affiliated team and you are no longer going to have an affiliated team, that city slash team will, will have the opportunity. They're going to try to ensure that they still have baseball going forward. Now, I do think in some cases it may, may be that some teams may end up getting moved into an existing independent league. That's possible. I think in some cases we're talking about that it will be new leagues that we're talking about, like a, a wood bat league, you know, whether, you know, or a, uh, you know, uh, an undrafted senior league or this kind of dream league type scenario where it's players who didn't get drafted, who are now going to start their pro careers elsewhere. All those are all possibilities in that. The key part of it is, is, is MLB and minor league baseball working out a way that develops that into a sustainable system, not something that you roll out there and it fails after a year or two, because if that's the case, then that's worthless really. But doing some kind of system where it's like, if we're talking three, four, five years down the road, these are still viable operations. For the most part, a lot of these cities that are targeted to lose their team's affiliations are teams in the short season leagues, the Appalachian league, the New York Penn league, the Pioneer League, the Northwest League. Some of these teams will move into full season leagues and become full season franchises, but the vast majority of them would lose their affiliations. From a player development perspective, we've talked to a lot of front office officials about it. Now that it's become a little more concrete and less theoretical than it was, just in the sense that minor league baseball reportedly has agreed to this, what's the feedback? Let me, let me they oh. have agreed to discuss this, I would say, to put it. There's conditions that I think that they will have to get to agree to this but they are willing to entertain the idea, I would say, of, of 120. So that's still a step forward than it was pre previously oh, yeah. when it was an automatic no. With that, we, we've reported at Baseball America the reaction of front office officials, what this does player development-wise. Just what's some of the feedback you've been receiving from people within the game about now that this has taken that step forward to being more probable than it previously was? Okay. Um, for one... The, 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 the cutting the draft to five to 10 rounds, I, I think really kind of does in many ways mean they've kind of wrapped their brain around that we're already here. Um, it, yes. Are there ways that you could continue to have 160 teams in 2021 and beyond, even if they have a five round draft this year? Absolutely. You could sign a whole lot of undrafted free agents, things like that. But you know, there are teams who are going to draft and sign three or four players if it's a five-round draft. We don't know if it's a five-round draft yet, maybe 10, but three or four players. Well, <laughs> that's not the same thing as signing 30 to 35, as some teams have done in a 40-round draft. I don't think there's any doubt that there would be players who would have played in the majors who will not make it under this new system. I don't think if you were the biggest proponent of this system, you could argue that point. And I'll give you an example of why. A 25th rounder, college senior, very well may sign because some team drafted him in the 25th round or the 18th round or the 20, you know, 30th round. And that shows that there's enough interest that, you know what, I'll give it a year. I'll see if I can do this. And that very same player, and then, you know, he gets the pro ball 
he makes some adjustments, he keeps getting better, and he down the road he becomes a big leaguer. That very same player, if the phone doesn't ring on draft day, and let's say again, as a college senior, they already have a potential, you know, other career outside of baseball that they can kind of go in that direction. They're graduating or they've graduated, all these things. That player very well is going to say, nope, okay, the fact that I wasn't drafted tells me it's time to move on and with the rest of my life and the rest of my, my new career. So some players are going to fall through those cracks. I, don't, I think also there are some players who the jump between complex ball and low A is going to be very difficult and not having that, that in-between step you can go back to of short season or rookie ball outside of the complex is going to damage or potentially in some cases permanently damage their uh, development. But, you know, the MLB argument on this, I would say very much is we're not saying that there's not going to be players who do that. We're saying it's going to be very rare. And the, major- the top players are still going to become the top players. It's just going to be that we are going to have probably a few players on the edges who don't develop because of this. JJ, on the whole, now that we've taken the step where minor league baseball is willing to have this discussion about potentially going down to 120 affiliated teams, and as you mentioned, there seemed to be a general consensus that at the end of the day, Major League Baseball is going to get what Major League Baseball wants. The minor leagues are a lot of ways at the mercy of the major leagues. That was true before the coronavirus hit. Knowing that this is now something they're more agreeable to makes it that much more likely. Big picture, what do you think the overall effect on the game of baseball is going to be from this? Because I think a lot of people are talking about it potentially losing the fans long-term in cities that, you know, there used to at least be some time potentially now, especially if some of these non-affiliated teams aren't able to survive, it could mean a lot of lost future eyeballs. Okay. I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Not, you know, I know you're saying that that's what some people are saying, and I'm going to, I'm not saying they're wrong, but I'm going to give a counter argument to that. I'm my background, as I've mentioned on the podcast at times before, you know, I, I I'm, I'm from Georgia and I covered the Macon Braves in the South Atlantic League from 94, 95 to 2000. And in that time, so I was in Macon, Luther Williams Field, Old Ballpark, built in the 30s. Savannah Sandouts were, you know, not too far away, a few hours down the road, playing in also an older park. And by every definition of what we're talking about, that's the, you know, that was building baseball fans, right? Well, eventually those teams left. Macon left and went to Rome, where they are now. And uh, Savannah Sandnats eventually left and went to Columbia, South Carolina. And, uh, and so since then, Coastal Plain League's moved in. Savannah Bananas, uh, Macon Bacon. And especially when I look at the Savannah Bananas, which are run by a really sharp operator, they're building more baseball fans in Savannah right now than they ever did when they were a Mets affiliate, even though when they were a Mets affiliate, they were producing guys who went up the, you know, climb the ladder and are big leaguers now year after year. But there are a whole lot more fans, a whole lot more people who are having fun watching baseball in Savannah now than they did when the sand Nats were there. Not to the same level, but to somewhat the same level. And again, Macon hasn't had baseball like that for quite a while. Macon went to Rome years ago now. But there are more people 
enjoying making bacon games. And I would say again, being young kids becoming baseball fans than they did when they, when I was covering them and they had the Macon Braves, which by the way, if you're in Macon, Georgia, an hour and a half South of Atlanta, there is no better scenario than having a Braves affiliate, especially when Chipper Jones and Andrew Jones and I could keep going down Raphael for call and all kept coming through there. So there was a lot to be said for that as far as building fans. But I can tell you that I see now, I know people still there in that area and they're still minting baseball fans. I'm not saying that there's not value to affiliated ball. I absolutely think of that. There's incredible value to affiliated minor league baseball, but I'll also tell you that's not the only way you build baseball fans. You know, you can build baseball fans, young kids, you know, with minor league baseball, with summer wood bat, with college baseball, there's a wide variety of ways you can do that. And I think at the end of the day, the most important thing for baseball, capital B baseball as a whole, is a sustainable system where good baseball is played that brings people to the ballpark in all these cities. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be winners and losers in this. There absolutely will be. But I, I do think that – I think it's worth at least noting that point that – I don't want to make it seem like that the only way you can enjoy baseball in one of these cities is if it has affiliated minor league baseball, because I, I think that that does denigrate what can be really enjoyable about indie ball, summer wood bat, college baseball, and many other of these you know possibilities. There's no question. I think having baseball in the community in some form or fashion is always helpful. And you're right. There are a lot of places I've been as well as you have where this local population is just going out and enjoying seeing a game. In some cases, not even really knowing that they are a farm club of a certain team. They're just seeing as an out to go see baseball. And I think as long as baseball is in these cities in some form or fashion, it's a good thing. And again, a lot of this is going to come back to the viability of whatever plan Major League and Minor League Baseball come up with to see how they can keep baseball in those cities, even without the current structure of affiliations with a big league club. You know, I talked about how the sustainability. The other thing that's going to be interesting to see if we get to a deal on from it with MLB and MILB is there is also the question of what's going to happen to the owners of these have-nots. And I'm going to have-nots, it's not a good word for it, but the teams that are not, the 42, the teams that are not part of the 120. And the reason I say that is, is that you're going to have to I, 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 going to is too strong. The owners of those teams are going to make a pretty strong case and they, they're going to want to be taken care of in some ways. They, they bought teams, they invested in teams, they've spent money. In some cases, they've spent money year after year because some of these teams are not uh, necessarily uh, money makers. And if you bought a team for a few or several million dollars, and that team is no longer going to be an affiliated baseball, that you can make a pretty strong argument that there is uh, you know, a need for some mechanism to compensate for that. Now, it's also a very contentious issue because when we talk about this negotiation, the reason when I keep saying that minor league baseball is really kind of stuck here as far as leverage, at the end of the day, the professional baseball agreement that we have right now ends September 30th. 
if it ends, Major League Baseball no longer has an agreement to send players to these minor league teams. Well, I'm not a lawyer. There are lawyers who clearly, and I think could argue, yeah, even though the agreement is over, there's still reasons why you still, you know, that MLB can't just walk away. But they won't have an agreement. If MLB at that point, and I've had people, you know, involved as far as, you know, owners and others who say, you know, I've asked them the question. I said, so what happens if Major League Baseball at that point says, oh, we're done with it. We'll go, go do our own thing. Well, at that point, the argument can be made that all of those teams, you know, hey, we're going to do our own thing. By the way, MLB owns about 30-some minor league clubs. The, the number I've heard anywhere range from 28 to 35, but they own minor clubs. Those clubs are going to go over with it. And it's very possible then they would say, okay, and by the way, we'll take applications. If you want to join our new minor league system, you're welcome to apply. And they would probably get a lot of applications from existing major minor league teams, I should say minor league teams. But if that happens, minor league baseball, whoever's left, your options are you can continue to play. They have done nothing to take away your team. But you have to provide the players, you have to pay the players, you have to provide the coaches, pay the coaches, all that, which as we just talked about earlier, makes the economics very different. Well, Again, I don't think we're getting that point. I think we're going to have a deal. But the point being, if that happened, no one who's on the outs would necessarily be able to get compensation. The compensation component of this for the teams that are on the outs is going to be a key factor that has to be worked out in, these, in this deal, um, if there is a deal. And again, I anticipate there will be a deal. There's a lot of complications here. We could spend literally three hours trying to figure out how you're going to put the puzzle together but again, it wouldn't be even worth doing right now because we don't know for sure which teams are going to be on the ends, which teams are going to be on the outs. I do think, though, at the end of the day, you ask the question of what does this look like? I have had someone, maybe they're really an optimist, but they took us back to 1990. In 1990, the only real massively contentious PBA negotiation of the last 40, 45, 50 years, it went almost past the wire. MLB at that time was talking about, we're going to do our own thing. Minor league baseball was preparing to operate without major league players. It was ugly. They ended up signing a deal. And at the time there, it was thought by many minor league operators that it was the worst possible deal they would ever get. The president of minor league baseball at the time, Sal Artiotaga, um, effectively it, it ended his tenure. And we look back on that, and if you were involved in minor league baseball at that time, and then you were still involved 10 years later, you would say, you know what, that ended up being the best deal that ever happened for us. I'm not saying that this is going to be the case again. I have no way of knowing that. There's not even a deal yet. But I was talking to someone who's been around in this in baseball for a very long time, and his point was, if you have all this happen, there is a way where this ends up being, there may be benefits of this that we don't even know yet. He said, I'm not sure that they are there, but maybe there are. But I do know that some of this is really hard to predict before it happens because in 1990, that PBA was thought to have such onerous stadium requirements and such onerous requirements on minor league teams. 
that it was thought like this is going to kill minor league baseball in many cities. And instead, it led to a building boom of much nicer, better stadiums, which led to a whole new generation of minor league baseball fans who had never existed in the previous generation. Attendance went through the roof and it helped baseball overall. So all I can say with this is, is I don't know what the full consequences of a deal that hasn't even been reached yet are. But I do know that sometimes when we're in the moment, it's really hard to see all the secondary effects that are going to happen from a deal when deals are made. I mean, that's true in any industry. There's always unintended benefits and unintended consequences of any deal that's struck, whether that's a piece of legislation, whether that's a business merger. It's, it's always something that it's hard to predict. And like you said, when it's happening and even in the immediacy of after something comes to pass, there's always things, you know, we like to think we can predict the future and know everything that's going to happen. But time and time again, uh, it shows us that that's not the case. We'll see what the deal looks like when it's finally struck. Again, everything at this point is a proposal. It's an agreement to discuss certain things. Nothing is set in stone. As of right now, there are still 160 affiliated minor league franchises. We'll see what it looks like when the deal is officially done. But JJ, we really appreciate you keeping us up to date on all the latest developments. Sounds good. All right, everyone. Well, that'll do it for another edition of the Baseball America podcast. Go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitch. We'd love to hear from you. Keep checking out the website, baseballamerica.com. Even though there's no live games being played, we're constantly updating the draft board. We're constantly keeping an eye on everything happening in college baseball with scholarship limitations, how it's going to affect all the various programs, and all the latest developments with major and minor league baseball. We're on top of it at Baseball America, so right now is a great time to subscribe. And, of course, keep it here on our podcast channel for all the latest news developments and analysis. For J.J. Cooper, I'm Kyle Glazer. Thanks for listening, everybody. not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around 200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash i'm downloading the upside app now download the free upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas use promo code car for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank you can cash out anytime right to your bank account paypal or a gift card for amazon and other brands just download the free upside app and use promo code car for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank that's code car Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.